I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. So what's up? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I I already see what's up out loud and proud. Y'all, Mahalia, uh, who is uh, Ashley's hair, in case you're new to us. Baby, when I say she is a vibe, mm-hmm. she's a vibe. I mean, is that is that fair to say? I think it's fair. I think we'll take that. This is something that I don't know that we've seen in a while. So please, please, can you let the people know what I'm looking at? Yeah, well, there's a whole story behind this, too. So, y'all, I was trying to wash my hair this weekend. And usually when I, after I cleanse my hair, I'll usually like throw it up and, and twist and then do a twist out later on. But sometimes before I twist my hair, I might blow dry it just to kind of lengthen it a little bit before I throw the twist in. But I was tired, y'all. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it as is. And then I'll twist it tomorrow after the pride parade, which was on okay. Sunday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I said to Mahalia, I was like, look, we're going to ride this out. We're going to, you know, stick with our kind of straight blow dried hair. We'll go to the parade, then I'll come back and we'll twist it up. But Mahalia had her own ideas of how we were going to show up for the parade. So mm-hmm. my gently blow dried long hair immediately <laughs> puffed up into a huge Diana Ross afro. I mean, and I'm here for it. And go on and admit the people were here for it too, huh? Were you like the grand marshal of the pride parade? <laughs> I wish. I was in the parade though. That oh, is- you were? Yeah. I have to give a shout out to my friend, Matt. Our safety net hospital has a um, historic HIV ward um, called Ward 86 that has been in business since the 1980s, serving the community of folks in San Francisco with HIV. And they have a float and parade each year. And so we had written with them in residency and this year he reached out and, you know, I haven't, I hadn't been pride since 2018 and I know, right. In part because of pandemic and then also like relationship woes and just not really feeling it. And this year he was just like, not only are we going, we're getting back on that float. Oh yes. It's like, all right. Yes. And if I had been in, and if I had been in town, I would have climbed my behind right up on that float with (laughs) y'all. No, as soon as I was in there and then my hair was big, you know, explosion of rainbows. It was, it was a vibe. I'm here for it. Well, um, since we are on hair, as you know, I did a turn and burn flight out to New York City Mm -hmm. as the hostess with the mostess for the (laughs) Arnold P. Gold Foundation annual gala. And I'm a board member of the Gold Foundation, love doing that event. But after a very busy weekend, you know, Jules was like flat. She just had nothing going on. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what to do. I had no time to get my hair done before going to New York. So I kicked it all the way old school. I busted out the metal Marcel irons. Y'all Google that if you do not know what 
Marcel irons are, but Marcel irons are these double handled mm -hmm. hot curlers that do not plug in. You got to put them on a heat source. Yes. Usually, usually if you black and grew up around hot combs, that was just your stove, stove in the kitchen. Yep. 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 Damn. So we, we put the Marcel's on the stove and put like about eight big curls in my hair and then put them on big rollers, like old school, like your mama coming outside telling you to get in the house because you've been <laughs> double dutching too long, that kind of, and took them down. And when I say Jules was a whole big fluffy curl vibe, now after 24 hours, she turned into a pumpkin <laughs> for real. <laughs> but baby, I could, honey, you couldn't tell me nothing. Girl, look, I saw them photos. You, yes. you and Jules were showing out. Man, listen. And I, and I worked it too. I mean, I, I was feeling, I was feeling myself. I'm not even mad about it. So yes, y'all, yes, but you know, when it comes to black women and our hair, you know, that, that is actually at the front of our mind a lot. It takes up a lot of our time, a lot of our thoughts. And I'm excited that our world has kind of moved in a direction where it's not something that we're feeling as self-conscious about, but still something that we can own and, and play with, you know? Yeah. You learn anything else new? One of the things that I'll share, and I, you know, I'm proud to be at a place now where I can talk more openly about, you know, my mental health and that journey. And, you know, one of the things that I've been working through with my therapist is something called internal family systems. And I would encourage anybody, especially people of color, to grab a book that uh, Amanda actually got for me. It's called The Pain We Carry by Natalie Gutierrez. And it's specifically um, geared towards people of color who mm. have issues with prior traumas, which, you know, if you're a descendant of enslaved Africans, there's probably some intergenerational trauma in there somewhere. Mm. And so I really, really am appreciating this book. It's, it's gotten me through some, some ups and downs. I love that. I love that. I've never heard of that book either or that concept. So I'm excited to nerd out and find out more about it. Mm-hmm. You know what? I had something really cool happen to me on Saturday. So on Saturday, I was hanging out with one of my favorite humans, Dr. David Malbranch. One of the things um, about David that's extra special is that we started at Grady at the same time. And uh, he since left Grady quite a few years ago, but we've remained very, very close friends. But maybe in the last three or four years, his father became very ill. And David actually took a, um, a pretty substantial leave from work to take care of his father in his, in his last days. And watching him love on his father and everything was just a really like powerful, powerful thing. And I do think informed a lot of the way that I was able to navigate um, my father's um, illness and his end of life period. However, David and I um, met up on uh, the Atlanta Beltline, hung out, and as we were leaving, we were kind of talking, you know, how things stop you here and stop you there on the way out. But eventually we get outside of the restaurant. And just at the point as we're getting outside of the restaurant, I see a man walking with his wife. And immediately I noticed that he's wearing a Tuskegee baseball cap. Mm. This man appears to be in his 70s or 80s. And I just pointed at his cap and I was like, oh, my gosh, Tuskegee. And uh, his wife says, he wears a Tuskegee hat everywhere he goes. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know what? My late father went to Tuskegee and he always wore a Tuskegee hat everywhere he went. And then he, I tell him that I went to Tuskegee and he tells me, oh, I went to Tuskegee too. 
So this man was born in the 1940s. My mm. father was born in the 1940s. He wore a Tuskegee hat everywhere he went. My father wore a Tuskegee hat everywhere he went. He was a mechanical engineer. My father was a mechanical engineer. He was from Tuskegee. My mother is from Tuskegee. He was born at John A. Andrew Hospital in Tuskegee. My mother was born at John A. Andrew Hospital in Tuskegee. And in case you wanted to get even weirder, I told him that the one year mark from my father's passing was June 22nd. And his wife and him looked at each other and then they looked back at me and they said, June 22nd is our wedding anniversary. We just wow. had a wedding anniversary. Wow. And then I noticed he's wearing a fanny pack, which my father wore yeah. always. And I was like, yo, and my dad wore a fanny pack. He's like, everybody jokes me about this fanny pack, but I wear my fanny pack. And I said, oh my God, we all joked my dad. And as they walked away, David and I just looked at each other and we were just like, man, you know what? There were like so many points walking out of the restaurant where we stopped, chatted for a minute, did something, but it timed exactly for us to run into that couple when we did. And I am a person who believes in higher power. And I acknowledge openly that I'm a, a person of Christian faith. David Moore describes himself as a spiritual person, but both of us agree that God be knowing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as the Grady elders say, God be knowing what you need when you need <laughs> it. And um, I don't think that was an accident. So shout out to Mr. Ted that I met on mm -hmm. the Atlanta Beltline. Shout out to mechanical engineers, family legacies, and angels in the form of human beings when you need the most. Mm. <laughs> you thought that was a story that was coming from me, but no, no, because it is not my week. No, it is not. And you might've just already shut this off because you're like, wait a minute, did Dr. Manning manage to tell the story two weeks in a row? No, people, no. Because in addition to Mahalia showing up and with her look extra big and proud, Ashley has been holding in her soul for you <laughs> a story that is sure to knock your socks off and blow your mind, people. Mm. So without further ado, my sister, my little sister, what is the what? Ooh, all right. You better not edit that out either. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, why don't we just go ahead and temper our expectations here? Where do I edit this? <laughs> yes, exactly. That is always in the back of my mind. But, you know, when, when Kimberly lays down the line, that means it has to stay in. So there it is. But I do have a word for you. Okay. And the word is kismet. Ooh, you fancy. Okay. It was in the thesaurus right before we started recording. <laughs> but. Okay. I have, I, I actually love this word. Is this a word that you're familiar with? Kind of, sort of, but not really. Um, I'll say kind of, sort of, because yes, I've heard the word, um, but there's a girl in the hair salon with me and her name is Kismet. So every time I hear the word, I just think, oh yeah, that's a girl. So that's not help. That's not helping this. Um, but it is very, very Black American of me to know somebody named Kismet. Yes, I was going to say, that is <laughs> one of the Blackest things we've said on this podcast. <laughs> well, it actually dovetails quite beautifully with the anecdote you just shared, that it's a word that that means uh, meant to be or, or fate or predestined. And so, you know, when you talked about, you know, just happening to run into this gentleman on the Atlanta Beltway and having that 
that that connection just kind of fall into your lap. That actually feels very timely for the story that I'm actively thinking about, you know, telling you right now. So, you know, I, I'm thinking back to medical school for me, which, you know, I was a student at University of Texas in Houston, which is my hometown. And at the time that I started in med school, I was not marching in a pride parade with my hair, like at least a foot in the air and loud and proud. At that time, I was deeply closeted and very fearful of my sexual identity and really unsure how to reconcile that with who I thought I was supposed to be in order to maintain love and acceptance. And particularly, you know, in the eyes of God, I, I grew up very much within the the belief system of Unfortunately, a lot of religious institutions that being gay is incompatible with being loved by God. At that time, I was someone who knew that I was attracted to women. I could no longer deny that, but I didn't think that it was okay for me to be okay with that. Mm. When I was in medical school, I actually had started attending a church um, that was very close to where I was living in downtown Houston. It's called St. John's Downtown, and their ministry was really organized around being of service to a lot of the homeless and insecurely housed individuals in, in Houston. The pastor there, his name is Pastor Rudy Rasmus, like the coolest dude you'd ever meet. What I love about him, among many things, is that he has this long beard that he wears in three braids with beads on him. <laughs> That's epic. And before service, sometimes I'll have these, these trivia questions like projected on the screen. And it was just like, why does Pastor Rudy wear his beard like this? And the answer is to weed out judgmental people. <laughs> I had started going to this church again at a time where I was really struggling deeply with my sexual identity and really not at all at any place where I thought I could be out. Um what was interesting, and I think I've, I've told parts of this on a different episode, I think in season one, where, you know, my my experience with that church was that that was the environment that actually gave me the strength to come out, mm. um, which I know is not the case for many individuals who've been directly harmed by a lot of the rhetoric coming out of especially Christian organizations. Mm -hmm. And there was some harm for me too, but in that space... I saw Pastor Rudy baptizing children of same-sex couples, mm. and I saw him, you know, praying over these families and individuals, like, in a very unabashed way. He was just very forward, not only in his words, but in his actions. And I remember there was one morning where he talked openly about seeing a therapist, mm. and that was actually the first time that I realized, like, oh, Black people can go to therapy, too. You know, mm. I was a whole medical student and I didn't think that therapy was a thing that I would ever consider or would need. Mm. And so after he said that, I started going to a therapist for the first time. Mm. When I got to the end of my fourth year and I had finally, finally made the decision to come out to myself and to members of my family, I was on the cusp of getting ready to move to San Francisco for residency. And so I talked to Pastor Rudy and I was just like letting him know that, you know, I'm going to be leaving soon. And he was just, his immediate reaction was just like, okay, when you get to San Francisco, you need to go to Glide and you need to find this guy. And so he pulls up on his phone, a picture of this, you know, youngish, very charismatic looking black man with a short Afro and a million dollar smile. And he's like, he's an associate pastor at this church. Go to that church and go find him. Glide is a church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Glide is actually a very famous church in San Francisco. It's 
forget what year it was established, but you know, the founder Cecil Williams is very famous in the community. Actually, he made a, a guest appearance in um, Will Smith's movie in Pursuit of pursuit of happiness okay that was the church that was featured in that movie so it's a well-known church that is situated in the middle of the tenderloin that is an area of the city where there's just a lot of rampant suffering and open air drug use and it's a really difficult place to just to walk through the streets and not encounter just the depth of people's pain and hurting Mm -hmm. and so kind of similar to saint john's it was really built around being front facing to the neediest parts of the city. And so it's a very popular church at the time. You know, this is pre-pandemic. I moved to San Francisco in 2015, picked a Sunday, went out to Glide. And it's like, it was a very big and crowded church and I'm a hundred percent introvert. So, you know, came in like a couple minutes late, sat in the back and, you know, I could see on the stage, this gentleman that Pastor Rudy was telling me to go see. Mm. And, um, you know, after the service, you know, there's a big crowd around him and like he's talking to all the people. And I was just like, okay, I'm not going up there. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't see him. He didn't see me. So I went home and, you know, I came back a couple Sundays and I really enjoyed when this gentleman, his name is Theon, whenever he would get up and speak, he was very captivating. And again, while I enjoyed his sermons, I was not ready to, you know, go and introduce myself to a very popular stranger. Mm. So over time, and this was like intern year and kind of going into my second year of residency, I kind of had stopped going, you know, while I enjoyed the the church and many aspects of it, it just didn't kind of feel at at home or easy for me. It was just a lot of people and I didn't quite feel a part of it. And I was busy. So for a while, I didn't go to the church anymore. In 2017, this was right at the beginning of the change in presidential administration. Trump was into the White House and, you know, there was a new wave of political activism, particularly around the Affordable Care Act. And so there was a lot of moves within our healthcare system to try to advocate for, you know, keeping that policy in place. And so Nancy Pelosi, who was the the House leader at that time, was really involved in those talks and was, you know, coming back to the Bay Area a lot. And she was doing a press conference at San Francisco General Hospital, which is where I was working. Mm. So she came to our hospital, was in the lobby with a press conference. So a couple of people, I mean, a good handful of people came to like hear her talk, including myself. And so I was there listening. And as I'm moving through the lobby, someone ca- catches my eye that looks familiar. And I look up and it is Pastor Theon, the gentleman from Glide is at my Cool, cool breeze. Exactly. <laughs> Before I could look away and keep walking, he makes eye contact with me and is looking at me like in a way that says, I know you from somewhere. Mind you, I have not introduced myself to this guy. Like I've been in the mm-hmm. back of the church. He's not, to my knowledge, has not noticed me or had a mm-hmm. conversation with me, but he's not letting up. So I walk over and say hello. He was just like, do I know you? And I was, you know, trying to not make it awkward, but it was essentially like, you don't know me, but I know exactly who you are. And, you know, it was a good conversation and we exchanged numbers and he was just like, let's, let's meet up sometime. We went and grabbed food and it was that feeling where you meet someone and you feel like you've known them your entire life. Mm-hmm. And it was just like 
this kind of instant connection and ease where it's just like, we are meant to know each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just shared with him like a lot of my life story, my journey, my sexuality, like all this stuff in a single conversation. He told me about his life and, you know, he had actually wanted to go to medical school before he felt a calling towards seminary. So we spent like the rest of the afternoon just like bar hopping and talking about our lives and our spiritual journeys. And, wow, you know, it blossomed into one of the most important friendships that I can say that I have. And particularly at that time, because what was also happening in the background for me was just questioning a lot around my sense of identity and belonging in the church once I had finally come to terms with my sexuality. And then here I meet this guy and, you know, he actually now pastors a church in Oakland where I live. And there are many nights where, you know, we'll get together, we'll do a flight of whiskey and then just have these philosophical, theological debates around Christianity and identity. And Theon is also someone who speaks to the gospel in a way that really doesn't shy away from the controversy, from the need for social justice, from mm. the fight for equality and not mm. backing down from, you know, the distorted ways in which Christianity as a religion has impacted people in harmful ways. And for me, it just, what matters, what stands out is just the timing of mm. it the timing of our connection and the way that it happened despite me trying to avoid him, <laughs> you know, that is what feels to me like how I think about faith as it manifests in my life, the people that I come across exactly at the time that I need to meet them. Mm. And I include you in that milieu as well, Dr. Manning. So, so shout out to, to Pastor Theon, check out Downs Memorial Church online Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> well, we have some. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah. yeah. Or, may, or maybe Dr. Zimmer will in her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's so much to love about that. First of all, I just love the name Rudy Rasmus. <laughs> like, I feel like if I could have a do-over, I would be like, hello, I'm Dr. Rudy Rasmus. Yes. And I am the attending physician on your team. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to that story and I'm, you know, just thinking about other times when we've talked about how you feel like something pulling inside of you to be obedient and to do something or to do more, right? And also times that we've talked about the power of like these loose ties that we have with people that seem like fleeting moments um, where we can meet people, but that can lead to something much more meaningful and much more powerful if we just let enough of our guard down to see what could happen. And it's not for everybody to enter your space in that way, but sometimes it is. And kind of walking out into the world with an openness to that, I think is, is, is really, really incredible. And I like to be really careful when we're having these conversations to acknowledge that, you know, we, we know that we have listeners who are of many different sets of beliefs and faiths. This really isn't about, you know, evangelizing the people to get them to go to somebody's church, but instead really about the power of, like you said, kismet, about a moment and about just yielding to a moment mm -hmm. and, and, and seeing what can happen, even if you're a little nervous mm -hmm. about it, right? And also like not overthinking it either. There's a part of me that's just been conditioned to 
hear of a man meeting up somewhere with a woman, particularly if initiated by the man mm-hmm. and, and, and just bracing myself for you to tell me. And then, yep. <laughs> and then he was like, yep. then he tried to put his hand on my knee <laughs> and I had to punch him, you know? Yeah. But that, that, that in itself goes back to what you said about trauma, right? Because all of these traumas lead us to believe that how can you possibly innocently just be interested in me as a human mm-hmm. and this not be about something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, there are a lot of people who are just interested in you as a human and who need you just as much as you need them. So I, I just, I, I absolutely love that story. And I love the idea of you introverted you. <laughs> um, just kind of, I actually like that you even showed up when Nancy Pelosi was there, because the Ashley I know might have even talked herself out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, everybody and their mama gonna be over there. Let me <laughs> just catch it on TV. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but you went over there and mm-hmm. and look what happened. Yeah. No, thank you for raising both those points. You know, I had debated how to frame this story, and I, you know, I part of my intention in doing so was acknowledging like everybody, even if you do identify as, as Christian, it is so, it's such an individual journey for everybody and it's not for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I want to acknowledge, you know, without going into great detail, like it has been also a struggle for me, you know, as, as a queer woman reconciling those different parts of my identity. And really it's always been less about the religion and more about the connections and the people Mm. that I found in that community. Mm. Part of why I love the story is when I share with other people, you know, just the idea that I have this completely platonic relationship with the pastor of a Christian church and we drink whiskey together and talk about life. <laughs> it is something that like people don't have a concept for, but it's something that I I, I deeply love and cherish. And I, you mm. know, in these, you know, these last months, you know, the last year where, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs with mental health, you know, he has really shown up for me. Mm. And um, he actually lives like down the street. So oh, I love that. I you love know, that. it's never, there are many of times where I've had to like text him and then, you know, go over there and just like cry at his kitchen table. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, he is someone who is on the opposite extreme of me in terms of his extroversion, <laughs> but also has a gift in his ability to listen and be present. Mm. I love that. That's awesome. You know, I was, I'm I'm glad you said the parts you said too, because I was, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I need, I need more context about who he is. I'm waiting for you to tell me that he's this or that Mm -hmm. he's that or, um, and I decided to just listen and, and refrain from needing an explanation for a human being who does not have gender concordance with you mm-hmm. being able to just meet you as a human being and it yep. just be what it is. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to go back to something you said in the story that hurt my heart a little bit. And that was this space that you were in when you knew you, you felt intimate connections and romantic feelings for women. You knew that, but at the same time, you couldn't see where that could also align with you being loved and received in your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, that in itself is 
just so incredibly sad to me when I think about all forms of people and ways that faith has played out over time to cause people to think that there's just like no way that how they were sort of delivered into this world is not acceptable. And, you know, when, when I'm talking to my kids about faith and, and, and hoping that, you know, whatever they decide about faith is that they come to it on their own. But, you know, one thing that we all sort of agree upon is that some of the things that people are the most pressed about, I just don't think will be the biggest deal. Like, no, I didn't care if your kid dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> I, I actually wanted you to feed them folks in the tenderloin who's asking you for something to eat, you know. <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't really care if, uh, you know, you you wore a pair of Daisy Dukes to the Pride Parade. I actually didn't <laughs> care about that. I actually cared about whether or not you were going to be kind to that person who didn't look like you or or stand up for that person who was being treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. That was what I wanted you to do. <laughs> um, and like you said, these journeys are very, very personal. And again, you know, part of what we do here you know, we had these conversations in the podcast is, is, is we, we sort of unpack the human parts of, of who we are and who we are very, very different people while we do align um, in, in what we say our faith is. I'm sure that looks very different in many different ways with our personal journeys. Mm-hmm. And we deeply respect everybody else's personal journey, whether, whatever that is, whether that's, you know, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, atheism, mm-hmm. um, being agnostic, Buddhism, or, uh, you know, whatever other faith that I did not list, there's a space for you here too. And uh, it's very personal. And as Tabitha Brown says, what does Tabitha Brown says? That's your business. That's, that's your business. <laughs> <laughs> that's your business. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm happy about several things, um, but I'm just going to list a couple of them real quick. One, I'm really happy about how open you have been about talking about your mental health. I think that the more people are open and talking about their lived experiences, you can save people's life that way. You know, our friend Justin Bullock is often very open about um, his lived experiences with his mental health. I I believe that saves people's lives. So shout out to you for that. And then just shout out to you for walking in your truth and in your authentic self and readying yourself to receive the love that you deserve because you can't do that when you're hiding and when you're trying to be somebody else and then also shout out to you for always telling me everything because i am the big sister who is ready (laughs) to put these hands on anybody that come from my little sister i don't care who you are so pastor theon i will fight you i will fight any girlfriend i'll fight somebody who says something on the float Yes, y'all. I choose violence when it comes to my little sisters. Yes. I do. I and I appreciate that. You know, you appreciate I mean, that I choose violence. Well, I mean I, that I have someone who will fight for me. I do have to, like, yes. you know, tell Doctor Manning to stand down. Like, this isn't this not yet. Like, this is not the situation. Yeah. I will let you know. I think people think I'm exaggerating about that. I'm really not. Though. I know that you're not joking. <laughs> I'm not dead serious. Yes, because she's from Inglewood. <laughs> And she worked at Grady. <laughs> yes. Well, I I receive that love, sis. I, I appreciate that. And you know, I, I feel I feel really proud of myself. I am proud of where I am now compared to where I was. 
It's been worth every difficulty, every challenge. And before we we sign off here, I also want to send a lot of love to the the whole LGBTQIA two spirits plus everybody, but especially to the trans community who are really feeling the weight of political trauma and dehumanization. And I just want to acknowledge that and mm-hmm. you know send some love from us to that community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quadruple cosine, sis. Yeah. yeah. And if it ain't nothing, that is a better way to wrap up Pride Month than my sister saying she is proud of herself. It doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. So no matter who you are and what this world is saying and what laws people are presenting, you 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 deserve to be here and you should be proud of yourself, your authentic self. And we're proud of you too. Yes, we are. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla. Holla!